Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9, please. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 27. Hebrews 9 and 27. Tonight we're going to continue on with our series and the basics of biblical body care. This will actually be the final lesson in this series. So let me just briefly remind you of what we've already covered. We've been looking at what the Bible has to say about your physical health and various things that would affect it, improve it. Uh, And we've looked at diet, what you eat. And every one of these topics can be summed up very simply. When it comes to your diet, you need moderation. We looked at exercise. You need discipline. We looked at worry and stress and and how to deal with that. The The word there is management. We looked at fasting and prayer. The Bible actually talks about how that can help you physically as well as spiritually, and that would be obvious. And I would say to sum that up, quietness. The quietness of prayer is something we all need. And then we looked at having a merry heart. It has to do with laughing. has to do with shouting or cheering. has to do with singing nice and loud like you guys just got done doing. So I, I would say there the word is enjoy. Enjoy it. And then last week we looked at rest. Thank God, what a wonderful lesson. <laughs> and I would, I would say there, just to sum it up, slow down. Slow down, enjoy the rest, right? And then tonight, we're going to end up in a, on a, maybe an unexpected subject. We're going to talk about sin and how it affects your health. And the Bible is actually very, very clear on this topic and how sin, even though it might exist in the spiritual realm, right? It's not like you can point to something and say that's a sin. You don't see it in the physical. It's a spiritual thing, but it does affect you uh, in a physical way. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Would you please, before we read anything, let's bow our heads together. Let's pray and ask God for some help. Father, We come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives within us and allows us to commune with you. We can hear from you. You can guide us into all truth. And Lord, as it pertains to this physical temporary body, Lord, show us. You made it. Show us how to to take care of it. And even tonight, God, give us some advice, some learning that we need. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to show you several verses of Scripture tonight by by the grace of God. I want to start off by establishing something. As everybody comes into the world, when you're born, God gives you a certain amount of time to live in this physical body. Let me show you a few verses to back up that statement. Hebrews 9.27. I'm sure you've seen this before. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Do you see in that verse how you are appointed to die? It's not that you're here and then accidentally one day it's over. When you come into the world, God sets an appointment, a limitation on this physical body. And let me say quickly, all of us have a different amount of time. Not everybody gets the same amount. There are some people, and and there's no way of knowing how much time you were allotted. Uh, I'm going to show you a verse in a moment about 70 years, and if you're strong, it's 80, but but that's a general observation. Some of you, you may have been appointed 40 years, and you're already 10 past the speed limit. (laughs) 
Some of you are on borrowed time. Some of you were appointed 80, but you're running out of time and you're only 25. So I don't know how many appointed days or years you have, but let's take another step. Come to Job chapter 14. Let me establish this as, as best I can. Job 14. Now tonight, this is a Bible study, amen. We'll do a little preaching as we go, but we're going to study the Bible tonight. Job 14, verse 1. Here's Job's observation of uh, humanity. Job 14, verse 1. If you can't find the book of Job, just get the book of Job and it'll do. (laughs) The book of Job, chapter 14 and verse 1. It says, man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. Now that's exactly what James is speaking about when he says life is like a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So Job has already picked up on that. Look at verse number 5. Seeing his days are determined. Do you see that? Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say your eternity is determined. He doesn't say that God has already chosen if you're going to be in heaven or hell forever. That, that, you don't find that anywhere in the Bible. But he does say that your days, this physical life, your days are determined. The number of his months are with thee. Job is talking to God. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. So God sets some boundaries and says, I'll give you this much time. And there's a limit to that time. He says, now, no matter what you do, I won't let you go past this limit. I'm not, no matter how well you take care of yourself, eventually you're going to give out. Amen. Now, you need to amen that. Somebody like, no, not me. No, no, even even you. You're going to get old. Verse 6, turn from him that he may rest till he accomplish as an hireling his day. So Job is complaining. He's saying, God, please, when, we, when I came into the world, when a man, when a woman comes into the world, you give us a certain amount of days, would you please just leave us alone so that we can live out our days? Would, would you please not trouble us any more than we need to be troubled? Now Job is saying this out of anger. And if you know the book of Job, you can understand why. But in this, we learn something. Man's life is like a hireling. It's like setting up a contract. God says, okay, I'll give you physical life, but the terms of the contract are you get this many years, this many days. Now, if you're naughty, I take away from. If you're good, however, I might add to it, but I won't add to it past this amount. There is a bound that you cannot pass. So come to Psalm chapter 90. Psalm chapter 90. Psalm 90 and verse number 9. Psalm 90 and verse 9. This is one of the few psalms that is written by somebody other than David. This is written by Moses actually. And he says in verse number 9, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath, So Moses understands that God is angry with Israel. They're wandering through the wilderness, and he says, we're just living in this bad condition. We spend our years as a tale that is told. If you think about that, that's profound. If you ask me, Brother Mike, tell me about your life. I could probably sit you down, talk for about 30, 45 minutes, and tell you all the important parts. 40 some odd years of life, and that's, I can wrap it up. 
in 30 minutes. That's, that's an incredibly profound thought. Now, verse 10, the days of our years are three score years and 10. Now, a score is 20. So three scores, three times 20, it's 60. So three score and 10, 70. Now, Moses is making a general observation. That's about the average lifespan of, of most people. So he says, the days of our years are three score and 10. And if, if by reason of strength, they be four score years, 80 years, Yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. So Moses makes a, an interesting observation. He says, most people, generally speaking, you get 70 years. If you take care of yourself, keep yourself in good health, and exercise a little bit and work out, you might get 80 years. He says, because of strength. He, he didn't say because of righteousness. Amen. Amen. Now, now listen, listen to me. You guys that are in your 20s and 30s, you think, I can eat whatever I want. Ah, man, it just burns right through. I got a metabolism. You just, you just keep that up until you're 30 or 40. It'll catch up with you. You'll blow up eventually. We'll have to roll you into church. You'll be the gospel blimp. <laughs> now, if you take care of yourself, now, th this is an excellent lesson to learn. When have you ever heard Anybody expound this verse in such a way to say, listen, if you keep yourself healthy and strong, you might actually add a few years to your life. I, I know that's a very obvious thought, but there it stands in the Bible. Bible makes sense. It's a rational book. That's perfectly logical. Now, I'm going to show you some verses in just a moment that if you live a righteous life, that can also increase your days. Okay, so that's also true. But keep yourself strong and healthy, you might actually live a little longer. So, the, now the thought that you really want to learn from this is verse 12. Moses says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So the, the lesson that comes from this is you're not going to live forever. You have a limited amount of time. You are going to soon be cut off and fly away. Your soul is going to leave your body and that's it. So you better not live as if well, do whatever I want and get away with it. Number your days and make each one count. The way Paul would say it is redeem the time. The days are evil. So this is a great lesson. Now you can see there's a limited amount of time. It can be adjusted. There is some wiggle room in this appointed time. And if you take care of yourself, you might add to it. Come to Proverbs chapter 3. Let me show you a few verses that talk about adding to your, your lifespan. Proverbs 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. You can add to your time. Proverbs 3, verse 1. Spriaka. 3, verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace. Who wants a long life without peace? Right? I mean, if you're going to have a long life, at least let me have some peace and quiet in that time. If it's just going to be trouble the whole time, well, might as well just die early. <laughs> so he says, length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. So by obeying God, you might actually add to your lifespan. Look at chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Proverbs 9, verse 10. 
Proverbs 9 and verse 10. He says here, the fear of the Lord, you know this verse, don't you? Is the beginning of wisdom. It, now, you might remember what Moses said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Why? Might add to the days, might make the days of better quality as, where, as well. Not just the quantity, but improve the quality. So he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding for by me, that is by wisdom, for by me thy days shall be multiplied and the years of thy life shall be increased. Do you see that? You can actually add to your physical lifespan. Uh, come to chapter 10, Proverbs 10, verse 27. Proverbs 10, verse 27. Very similar thought. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days. So I think you can see, we've clearly established you have a limited amount of time. If you take care of yourself, you can add to that time. And if you obey God, fear the Lord, apply your heart to wisdom, it can also increase your time under the sun. You can have a longer life. But now we're going to step into the next point. You can also shorten your time. You can decrease your lifespan. Now, obviously, if you don't take care of yourself physically, right, we're just learning the reverse of what we saw in Psalm 90. If, if you don't exercise, eat well, all that stuff, then you might shorten your life. But verse 27, let's finish the verse. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Do you see that? So God gives you the limit and he says, now, if you take care of yourself physically and spiritually, we might up the limit, but not beyond a certain point. But you might also be decreasing. You might be shortening your lifespan if you don't pay attention to how you live physically and spiritually. Uh, to come to the next book to the right, Ecclesiastes, Priedeker, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse number 16. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 16. Interesting verse here. Ecclesiastes 7, 16. Being not righteous over much. Let me, let me put that in up-to-date English. Don't be too righteous. <laughs> now that sounds straight, right? Huh? What? Don't be overly righteous. That, that doesn't sound right, you know. Be not righteous over much, neither make thyself overwise. Don't be too wise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? Now, how can being too righteous destroy me? How is it that I can have too much wisdom? Well, thank God I, I don't have that problem. <laughs> but, but, but actually, I always looked at that verse and had a big question mark on my face as I read it because I didn't get it. And then one day I realized I was very, very guilty of the verse. And I'll tell you how. I think there's a lot of us here tonight, we have developed a, a bad case of spiritual OCD. Everybody knows OCD? Obsessive compulsive disorder. Man, you're worry, you worry yourself to pieces about every little detail. And every little thing, you put so much pressure on yourself. Oh, I just had a thought. Was that thought right? Was it good? Was it right? 
Did God like it? Was it not right? Oh, maybe I should repent. Okay, I'll repent. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, did I repent right? I don't know if I said sorry good enough. Oh, I need to repent again. God, I'm so sorry. Oh, I said it twice. Now I'm being, oh, this is too much. God, I, I'm so sorry. I, I keep saying sorry. I'm sorry, God. I, I did it again. Calm down. Calm down. You, you need to know that God is not Pharaoh and that God can look down into your heart and even though what you did may not be perfect, right? Even though there might be room for improvement, you can actually live a life that pleases God. Amen. Amen. You can actually hear God say to you right now in this lifetime, I'm pleased with you. Now, the guy that is righteous over much, he just continuously beats himself up and says, I'm complete rubbish. I'll never be good enough. God couldn't possibly love someone like me and never fellowship with me because look at just how bad I am. And instead of accepting God's compliment, that is, there are times, and I taught you guys this last week in Sunday school, actually. There are times when God would actually look down and whisper in your heart and say, well done my beloved son. He said, no, no, but he said it to Jesus. And I'm glad, somebody actually asked me about this after Sunday school. It was a good question. He said, but that's something God said to Jesus and I'm not Jesus, so he would never say that to me. But the reason I showed you those verses about the father saying to the son, you're my beloved son and I'm well pleased, that's how God deals with his children. Now, he may not say to you, everything you do pleases me. The father did say that to Jesus. Right? Jesus said, I always do those things that please him. We can't say that. But when we do something that pleases God, God, the kind of God he is, he would acknowledge that. But the guy who's righteous too much, you know what he would say? Oh, God, I, I can't accept you saying that to me. No, no, no. I I'll never be worthy of you saying thank you or well done. No, 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 God, not me. And that constant pressure you put on yourself, you are making yourself sick. You won't accept the compliment, even spiritually. And that spiritual case of OCD is going to destroy you. Now, I'm not saying that's easy to balance because you do want to be sensitive to areas in your life where you can improve, right? I always... Guys, when I get home, I want to look at my sermon, my lesson, and say, now, if I ever teach this again, what could I do different to say it, you know, better? But for years, what I would do is go home and stress myself out. I would, I would, on Sundays, I don't go to sleep till 2 or 3 in the morning sometimes because I'm laying there thinking about every word going, oh, but was that okay? Did so-and-so take that well? What if they didn't understand? And I'm sitting there typing out text messages, and I don't send it to you because I love you. I, I got the text messages ready at 2 in the morning, but I don't send them until 8 the next morning. Because I want to make sure you understood exactly what I said. And, and you know what? A lot of you helped me understand this. In, in, in more or less ways, you said, Pastor, calm down. We understand that what you were trying to say. Yeah, maybe there's a better way to say it, but we, we get it. We know you did your best. And I could calm down. You know what? I've been enjoying life a whole lot more since I learned to calm down and not take myself so seriously. Amen. I told you guys that a couple weeks ago, and I have employed it. 
I told you I've been trying all this advice and I feel better than I have in 20 years. I'm not kidding. Just because I don't eat like a pig. <laughs> amen. Just nod your head and say amen right there. I, I've learned this wonderfully powerful word, no. I don't need that third piece of cake, no. The second one, maybe, but the third one, no. I exercise even if I don't feel like it. I've learned to take a break and not feel guilty about taking the break. I've, I've actually learned to stop my studying and actually turn on something funny and laugh. Sometimes I turn on one of my old sermons. <laughs> They're hilarious. I'm telling you, this stuff has been a help to me and not taking myself so seriously. Even, listen, I want to be the best Christian I can be. I want to please the Lord. Oh, I do. And the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please Him. The best I can do, listen, is to just be obedient to what He told me to do. Do it in the best way I can and then say, God, that's the best I can do. And then stop worrying about it. And be not righteous over much. I think that's what Solomon's getting at. I feel a whole lot better. Can I, can I give you the words of Jesus on it? I bet you already know them. Matthew 23. You strain at a gnat. Swallow a camel. I'm not a doctor, but swallowing a camel doesn't sound healthy. <laughs> it just doesn't. Working that hard to get a gnat down doesn't seem healthy. But that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were putting all this emphasis on tithing, mint, anise, cumin, and they were ignoring the weightier matters of the law, mercy, judgment, faith. And because they were out of balance, Jesus said, you're making a massive mistake. You're straining at the gnat, swallowing the camel. Solomon is telling us here, the wisest man who ever lived up in this time, he said, you're going to destroy yourself. You keep thinking like that. Verse 17 Here's the part that won't surprise you at all. Being not overmuch wicked. Now there, we're, we're comfortable with that, right? Oh, yeah, okay. Now, now we're back into the sense of, or to, the, to the realm of making good sense. Be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? Now he's not saying it's okay to be a little wicked, just don't be too wicked. <laughs> he's obviously not saying that. He's, he's pointing out the extremes. If you, if you push it too far and get spiritually OCD, that'll hurt you. And then if you want to push the wickedness and just let it slide and never pay attention to your spiritual, just do whatever you want, that'll also kill you soon, sooner than you should die. You can die before your time. Do you see where it says thy time? There's your appointed time. You can die before that time. Can, can I add something theological to this very practical lesson? Some people would say, well, if God makes a decree, there's nothing we can do to change it. This proves that wrong. When you came in the world, he decreed you had so many days, but if you live wrong, you can change the decree and die before your time. So your choices most certainly make a difference and can even overthrow God's decree. Very interesting thought. But back to the practical now. There are some sins that can very obviously destroy your health. Uh, if somebody is, is constantly getting drunk and partaking of drugs and overeating, 
being lazy, those are sins. Uh, if somebody is not getting enough sleep purposely because they're staying up just doing nonsense stuff. Now, I know sometimes you don't have a choice, but I'm saying some people, they purposely just stay up the wee hours of the morning because Netflix won't let them go to sleep. <laughs> Listen, the Bible says let all things be done with moderation. You've got to put, a, put some boundaries on that. So those kind of sins, it's very obvious how that would affect your health, right? It's directly affecting the physical body. But what about sins like this? Pride. Corruption. Cheating, you know, business under the table. Gossip. Lying. Hatred. Which, by the way, I'm not afraid to say it, under the category of hatred is racism. That, that's what racism is. It, it is an ugly, ridiculous form of hatred. And it is a sin. Stealing. Now, stealing can sometimes directly affect your health if you come into my house in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm locked and cocked and ready to rock. So, I mean, we <laughs> But sometimes you can steal and get away with it as far as humanity is concerned. Nobody knows that you took that. What about that sin? Could it affect your health? Greed, covetousness, blasphemy, cussing, telling dirty jokes. Jesus put this in the list, evil thoughts. That's in Mark 7, evil thoughts. Thinking about things you shouldn't. What about these things? Can they destroy your health? I'd like to build a case and say that they can. Even though it may not be direct, directly affecting the body like the other sins I mentioned, I believe that those sins can also destroy you. Now, when it comes to sin, whatever the sin is, it doesn't matter. Sin leads to guilt. Amen? Sin leads to guilt. The Bible word for this is conviction. You get under conviction. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit reproves the world because of sin, righteousness, and judgment. See, so when somebody breaks the law of God, when they rebel against God in any way, the way that God has built us as human beings, made in His image, fallen through Adam, but still bearing that broken image of God, when we sin, there is something in us, that moral compass that says, hey, that wasn't right. And that voice, that inner voice, repeatedly reminds you, you're not doing what God wants you to do. What you did was wrong. And until you take the necessary steps to make it right, that guilt or conviction eats away. Eats away. Now, when it comes to conviction, there are various ways people deal with this feeling of guilt. Some people drown it with a bottle of booze. You know that's why a lot of people take to drinking? Because it numbs them so that they cannot hear or understand that inner moral voice which is condemning them. So they drown it. Other people drug it, which is much the same thing. It's just a different agent to numb the feeling of conviction. Some people ignore it. They know it's there. They hear that moral voice, they hear 
the voice of the Spirit of God saying you're wrong, because those are two separate voices, and they just ignore it and think that eventually it will go away. So they let that wound, I'm, I'm going to call that sin that you've done a wound, you've wounded yourself. They let that wound get, in, get infected and it festers. And it, guys, when you wound yourself, if you don't clean the wound properly and it gets infected, it's going to get worse. It's not going to fix itself. You can't just ignore that and think it'll go away. Once it gets infected, it, it gets worse and more and more painful, and eventually the pain gets so bad you can't even function. Now, see, some people, they have a strong moral, let's say a strong, a strong emotional constitution. That is... They can stand up to that voice in their heart. They can stand up against God and say, yes, yes, I know you're saying I'm wrong, but I don't care. Bless God, I'm me and I can do what I want. And because they have this strong inner man, they think that they can actually resist God continually. But eventually you're going to break. Eventually that wound will fester so bad you will break under the pressure of it. I'll tell you how some people deal with guilt or conviction. They educate it. They start watching the necessary YouTube videos because people don't read books anymore. Some people read the books, but most people just turn on the YouTube videos and they find the atheist explaining why there is no God. And they say, hmm, you see, here are some educated people that have figured out science has all the answers. There is no God. And since there is no God, there's no one that will hold me accountable. And if there's no one to hold me accountable, there is no such thing as sin. So I really need not worry it. Uh, worry about it and they educate themselves out of their conviction did you know that's where the majority of atheists come from yeah. can I say that subjectively in my opinion that's where I think a lot of atheists come from now, I'm not saying that's the only reason people become atheists but I think it starts there they hear the conviction kicking up in their heart and they say hmm now how do I deal with this and then they look at the church and they say, ah, there's hypocrites in the church. And look, at, I mean, these people work hard and then give their money to missions. And they come to church and open up a book and sing. And, oh, man, I don't want to be one of them guys. Let me find another option. Some turn to drugs, some to drinking, and then some turn to education and say, good enough for me. There is no God. But see, it started with, I feel bad. How do I deal with it? They ended up in the wrong place. Take your Bible, come to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 24. 1 Timothy 5 and verse 24. Paul says here, Some men's sins are open beforehand going before to judgment. Have you ever heard someone say, let's just get it out in the open and deal with it? That's what he's getting at. Look at the last part. And some men, they follow after. You see, Paul recognizes mankind deals with sin differently. Not everybody deals with it the same way. Some men get it out in the open and deal with it. Other people run from it and their sins are chasing them. Now, do you see that at the end of the verse? And some men they follow after, their sins are following after them. 
They're running from it. You might remember what God told Moses in Numbers chapter 32, verse 23. He said, be sure your sin will find you out. It's hunting you. You are the prey and sin is hunting you. And he says, be sure your sin will find you. So when a man commits a sin and he doesn't deal with it and the guilt begins to build and the conviction builds and builds and he runs from it, just imagine for a moment how your life would be if someone, a physical person, was actually chasing you, hunting you every day. You wake up, you expect to look out the window and see a bright sunshining day and there's somebody looking in the window going, there you are. And, and, and it's not like a nice guy. It's not like he's going, hi, nothing like that. He's outside going, and he's going to get you. You now jump out of bed, and you're nervous, and you've got to run off. And you, you run, and as you're running, you look around, you can't see him. And you, oh, oh, okay, fine. You take a break, and then right then, boom, around the corner, there you are. And he, he makes that threatening gesture again. You take off again. Oh, you take a break you think you're safe and he finds you again how long do you think you could keep up with that how many days do you think you could run from him before you would eventually run out of strength and say fine just kill me I'm going to die from the running what a terrifying life what a terrifying life and, and the scary thing is some of you have been running for months now and your sin is chasing you you, and when you wake up (sighs) another day oh man you know what I I stole that I lied about that I gossiped to her oh man how am I going to protect myself from the repercussions how am I going to get out of reaping what I sowed and you cannot kick the conviction and every time you turn around it's there it's following you you can only take so much of that before you're going to crack you are physically draining yourself of necessary energy to get stuff done in the day Now, Paul actually tells us something very important in verse 24. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment. So before you get to the judgment, deal with it. Look that mistake that you made square in the face and own it. And say, yes, I did that. I made the mistake and I was wrong and I'm sorry. And God, I'm sorry that I offended you. If I need to apologize to anyone... Tell me who I need to apologize to. Tell me how to make this thing right so that my sin and the, and the guilt thereof stops chasing me around. Deal with it. Deal with the sin. Come to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now that's the beauty of how God has set this up. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So no matter what you've done, if you are a saved person, you are able to go to God and say, God, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. You can confess it, and the conscience can be cleared. 
If you've never been saved, tonight you can come to Christ and all of the sins you've committed, they get washed in the blood and God said, I will remember them no more and you can sleep peacefully tonight. You can go home and breathe easy and say, oh, finally, those old sins that were chasing me around are gone. As far as the east is from the west, oh, what a, what a wonderful amount of peace. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul is talking about the Lord's Supper. And in preparation for the Lord's Supper, in verse 28, he tells us this, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So before you partake of the nachmal, you need to check your heart and examine yourself. Am I living a life that is worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus made? That's the question you ask yourself. Because the Lord's Supper also reminds us of the second coming of Christ, you can also ask yourself, am I living a, am I living a life that I would not feel ashamed of if Jesus were to come back right now. See, you can examine yourself. If you don't, verse 30, for this cause, somebody who does not examine their heart, doesn't confess their sins, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Paul said some of you folks are reaping physical consequences because you're not dealing with your spiritual problems. Some of you are dying, he says, because you will not accept and confess and apologize for what you did. Verse 31, you can see it there. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So there is a way to deal with it. There is a way to get rid of the guilt and the conviction. Face it. Admit it. Come back to Proverbs Chapter 3, coming down the home stretch now. Proverbs 3. I've been telling you folks for several weeks that we would look at this thing about the bones. Because in many of the verses, it talks about how the bones get affected. So I'm going to show you a handful of verses about these bones. Now, let's make this clear. I, and I think this is clear from what you just saw in uh, Corinthians. When somebody sins and doesn't judge themselves and confess it and just keeps on going with it, God, in the spiritual realm, he can interject into the physical realm and, and cause you to become sick, weak, or die. Right? We as Christians, as Bible believers, we have no problem at all believing that the spiritual can affect the physical. Right? That's what we believe about creation. God is a spirit and he said, let there be and here comes physical stuff. So the spiritual can most definitely affect the physical. We don't have any problem with that. We shouldn't. But there, there's also a case to be made for your sin being, taking a physical toll on you and it's not divine judgment God sending down directly on you. Sometimes you're just destroying yourself from within. Let me show this to you. Proverbs 3, verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Don't make up your own way of living right. The only way to, to really live right is to do it the way God said it. Verse 8. If you don't depart from evil, here's, the, here's what happens. 
It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. If you don't depart from evil, you're affecting the health. You're affecting the marrow of your bones. Solomon says, if you depart from evil, it shall be health to thy navel. Make your stomach feel better. Do you know how many people, because they don't deal with their sin, they feel this conviction day in and day out, and their stomach gets knotted up. And they end up at the doctor saying, I don't digest food properly. And it's not a physical problem. You didn't eat bad chicken. You just got some things that you haven't dealt with. And it's knotting up your stomach. He said, it should be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. So he says, you live the right kind of life, depart from evil, it'll help your bones. Why do we need help with our bones? Let me give you just a, a few verses, not many. Job chapter 20. Come back to that with me. Job 20. I don't know any other time that we would run the references on your bones, so let's take a look at them now. Job 20, verse 11. Zophar is talking to Job here about the wicked, and uh, not everything he said was in line with, uh, with what God would have had him say, but this part is true. Verse 11, his bones are full of the sin of his youth, which shall lie down with him in the dust. It says his bones are full of the sin. That's a strange way to put it. His bones are full of sin. Well, now here you have something physical filled with something spiritual. You say, well, it's just a figure of speech. Uh, maybe. Look at Psalm 38. Psalm 38. I think that your sins can affect your bones. Psalm 38, verse 3. David says here, Psalm 38, 3, There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. I'm not stretching it at all to say there's a connection between your sin and your bones. That, that's pretty clear. Come back to Proverbs. Just next book to the right, Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14, and let's get verse number 30. Proverbs 14, verse 30. Solomon says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. Do you guys remember earlier? I gave you two lists of sins. Drinking, drugs, uh, fornication, right? STDs. That, that stuff would hit you physically. But what about pride, greed, envy? It can affect you physically. There it stands. How, how about chapter 16, verse 24? Chapter 16, verse 24. Pleasant words are as an honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Words affecting the bones. Look at chapter 17, verse 22. Proverbs 17, 22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. We've studied that part of it. Now look at the last part. But a broken spirit drieth the bones. You know, one of the things that can break your spirit is that sin that you don't deal with and that conviction builds up, it'll break your spirit. 
It'll dry the bones. Now, I'm not a doctor, not a scientist. I've done my very best to study this out, so some of you maybe could do a better job of explaining this, but let me try my best. Bone marrow. Everybody knows what that is, yeah? Cut a bone open, it's the soft stuff inside. All right, that's the scientific way of explaining it, by the way. It's it's the soft, gooey stuff inside. Bone marrow produces blood cells, okay? It produces two kinds, red, red blood cells, white blood cells. The red blood cells are responsible for transporting oxygen throughout your body, all right? That, that will affect uh, how your body recuperates, how much energy you have, all of that. The white blood cells, they fight infections. Bone marrow produces blood cells. It directly affects your blood. Let me tell you a few things that science has proven, okay? I've, like I said, tried to to read up on this the best I can. Guilt, scientific fact, leads to hypertension. That is high blood pressure. They've proven that. Guilt, that is chronic guilt now. Chronic guilt leads to high blood pressure. High blood pressure, science has now seen, they've proven that it leads to a loss of bone minerals. And when the, bone, when the minerals in the bones begin to deteriorate, the bone marrow is not functioning properly. It affects how the blood cells are being produced and health begins to, de- to decrease. Sin left undealt with leads to chronic guilt, leads to high blood pressure. It affects bone minerals. The bone marrow begins to be affected How many of you remember this verse, Leviticus? The life of the flesh is in the what? It's in the blood. Where do you get the blood from? Bone marrow. You can destroy this physical life, the life of the flesh. You can destroy it. You'll mess up your blood because that sin isn't dealt with and it dries the bones. I'm going to give you one last verse and we're done. Ezekiel chapter 32. Ezekiel chapter, what did I say, 32, 37. I'm sorry, maybe I said the wrong thing. Ezekiel 37, verse 1 and 2. This is my story. I love turning to this. Gives me a chance to sing, amen. I can't sing anymore, but I can like hum it or something. Ezekiel 37. This is the story about them bones. (laughs) Oh, yes. Them bones, them bones, them dry bones now here the wood. I can't help myself. I can't sing. It hurts, but it's so fun. Ezekiel 37, verse 1, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and look at this comment, and lo, they were very dry. They weren't dry. Very dry. Now, see, you can have a bone laying on the ground still have bone marrow in it that's gooey. Did you know they have found dinosaur bones that still has the goo in the middle? Which is scientifically impossible if the dinosaurs died millions of years ago. But they found viable blood cells in the bones which proves they dated all of those fossils incorrectly 
But these bones that Ezekiel has seen, they're not dry. They're very dry. Very dry. I know a lot of Christians like that too. They're not just dry. They're very dry. Very dry. One good stiff breeze and poof. (laughs) You're just going to crumble into dust. Verse 3, and he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? Now see, if you've got a bone with no marrow in there, very dry, no. Scientifically, naturally, no. Can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones. Now hear the word of the Lord. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. Now, the point I'm making here is, no matter how dry your bones have become because of your unchecked sin, if God will just breathe and move and do something in your heart and life, and if you will react to that, if you will accept the preaching, If you will accept that breath of God that we know as the Holy Spirit and you'll yield to Him, those very dry bones can live again. And that's the beauty of of this situation with God. You can fix this. You say, Brother Mike, I've done so many things. I think I have drained all the days out of my contract with God. Okay, well, depart from evil and you might just add a few days back to it. And with God, there's always a way home. The blood of Jesus Christ is available to cleanse you of any sin. As I said, if you've never been saved, you need to come to Christ and trust Him as your Savior. All the sins are washed away. But if you've already been saved and you've been getting off into some trouble, as His child, you come back tonight and say, Father, I'm sorry. And the sins can be forgiven and the fellowship can be restored. You're still his child, but the fellowship can be restored. And who knows, the physical health just might improve. Let's all stand, if you would, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Caleb, if you would, play something quietly. We'll not take too, too long tonight. I would like to give you a minute or two to react to what you've heard. Can I ask you tonight to examine yourself? Check your heart tonight. I'm not asking you to be righteous over much. I'm not asking you to make up standards that God doesn't expect of you. But just take a look at your life and see if there's some areas where You've turned a blind eye and a deaf ear and kind of swept it under the rug, but you know deep down that ain't right. Here's the bonus. I've talked about how it can affect your health. You go to God with a genuine apology, it'll sure enough help your walk with Him. Let's not ignore the spiritual benefits you get from this as well. That's, that's the big part of it.
In just a moment, I'll pray and close the service. But can I ask tonight, possibly you're here and you've never been saved. We sure would like to see. We'd like to see the Lord Jesus enter into your heart, enter into your life, change you, save you. We'd love to see that. If you've never been saved, can I pray for you? Now listen, no one's watching. No one's going to embarrass you. I won't point you out. Would you just raise your hand? You can put it right back down. Just say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Anybody like that? I appreciate that. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you can leave the building tonight 100% sure that Jesus is your Savior. You can call upon the name of the Lord and ask Him to save you. As soon as we're done, if, if you've got questions about it, one of you that raised your hand, would you feel free to find me? We've got lots of people in the church who would be happy to help you. Ask somebody before you go, help me understand how I can be saved. For the rest of us, if you've been saved, do a good job of keeping up with the condition of your heart, physically and spiritually. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you for this day, for speaking to our hearts. Lord, I appreciate the good lessons that we've been able to learn about this physical body. They've helped me, God. Your book has helped me so, so much. Lord, I want to pray for those hands that went up. Oh, please, God, breathe upon them. Lord, please bring those sinners home. Please save them tonight. Lord, there's a number of people in this room already saved. Lord, maybe they've been ignoring some sinful habits. God, help them tonight to deal with it, to stop running from it. God, give them the courage they need to get victory. Lord, thank you. You you made it possible for us to depart from evil you hadn't saved me I Lord there's no way I would have ever changed thank you for your saving grace father thank you for this day for speaking to us would you please dismiss us with your blessing and get us home safely we ask it in Jesus name amen amen